The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey everyone, welcome back to Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network, heard daily at this time across the network in Orlando, Ocala, the Villages, and in Gainesville. On the line with me from a great organization. We've had them on many times. First Liberty, they're fighting for our liberties in America that we've enjoyed. On the line with me is Stephanie Taub, a senior counsel. Welcome to my program, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it is really a a privilege to get to talk to people like you. Uh, You're on the front lines. You're doing this kind of fight that I know the rest of us really appreciate And whether or not people do appreciate it, they need to, because America is changing kind of uh, like the ground moving underneath our feet at times. And uh, we're here today to talk about uh, one of the cases that you're working on. And uh, before we do that, tell me just a little bit about you, what part of the country you reside, and uh, how you got involved with First Liberty. I'm originally from California, and I've jumped around a little bit. First Liberty is based in Texas, and I am right now in uh, speaking to you from outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. So I've had um, some time, went to law school on the East Coast, and so I've been been around. And there's a lot of there's a lot of good people, and a lot of important fights to be had. Without a doubt, Stephanie, what drew you to law? So I was very interested in um, philosophy and interested, and then I saw and then I learned about or read some legal cases and was drawn to the law. And this is an area where you can really use um, legal arguments, philosophical arguments to try to help people. And and as you see, there are so many there are so many battles over religious liberty, so many threats to people, um, especially right now in the workplace people fighting for the right just to be able to live and work with integrity in a way that they're, where they're not forced to violate their religious beliefs. Now, how did you come about your beliefs in God? How did that happen? So I was fortunate to be raised um, in a wonderful Christian family, and so it's been a part of my life for um, since, I, since I was very little. And just seeing that growing up, and the transition from a Christian school to a public school and seeing how things are a little different in, in public schools than they are in, in Christian schools. And you, that was my first taste of the way that government treats, uh, treats religion. Often it treats it as something that needs to be uh, kind of quarantined. It really <laughs> is true, yeah. And it... so, um, so seeing that just kind of opened my eyes to the all the kind of hostility that's out there from government officials. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful. Again, there's a couple of ways that uh, people can help. One is to do what you're doing, is to kind of hold the government, the officials that are elected. And at least at this time, they're still elected. We think they're still elected if the, if the votes are fair and there's not fraud going on. But then the other thing that we know that many people are doing, a lot of people who never would have believed it, but they're getting involved in the whole political process themselves to make a difference. So on either side, we say thank you for what you're doing. Uh, this government definitely needs to be challenged, it appears, uh, from just about every angle, just about every day. And uh, we're here today to talk about a particular case in California, that would be your home state, and that is from the Stockton Fire Department, which is that near San Francisco? It is. It's in Northern California. Yeah, I'm not that familiar personally with California. I have actually sat in the um, plane on a connection in San Francisco, and that's the extent of my California experience. <laughs> so <laughs> I was not I was uh, not ever able to get out outside of that uh, plane and walk around. But uh, this uh, particular case is involving uh, a termination of a fire chief 
uh, named Ron Hiddle, and he was fired, of all things, for attending a conference that was held at a local church. And for that dastardly deed, he was terminated. So tell us a little bit about this case. So that's exactly right. So Fire Chief Ron Hiddle, he was working for the fire department for about 24 years, and he's working up his up the ranks to eventually become the fire chief. And then when he decided, the, the city told him that he needed to attend leadership training. And so he looked around and tried to find the best leadership training that he could without having to incur expensive out-of-state travel. And so he found this, the Global Leadership Summit, which, which is this world-class summit that brings in leaders from a variety of perspectives. It's not just Christian leaders, although a, huge, a big portion of the conference is from a Christian perspective. But they've had former presidents. They've had the CEO of Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg. They've had all sorts of different people from a variety of perspectives at this conference. Mm-hmm. And so when they found out that this was religiously affiliated, they started an investigation, and then they fired him. That is just so, so unthinkable to any of us that are older. And we've, you know, followed stories about faith. And, you know, when I was a young man— a person was commended for their involvement in a local church, for their role that they played. Uh, a pastor would have been honored. And that does not seem to be the case in today's world, right? That's right. It just really shows the intolerance that the city official had for any sort of um, associations with religion. And it's pretty, it's so extreme, this amount of intolerance. Um, that even being associated with this was just too much for the city. And so they fired him. And we also have statements in the records that they were disparaging him as part of a Christian coalition or a Christian clique. So, I mean, the city is sending a message that um, you, that people have to hide their faith in order to serve their communities. Or, or you should, um, and so we've, we've believe that you shouldn't have to hide religious identity um, or face discrimination on the job because of your faith. You know, it seems like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because you're from California, you would know that so much infinitely more than would I, but it would appear that with A, the lack of any other leadership in California, and I recently heard this, that there's really not of any a position of um, higher level position held by a non-Democrat in California. And with that, then everything that is on the agenda, if you will, of the Democratic Party is going to be what is pushed through. And of course, that goes from Governor Newsom on down. So with this, would would it appear to First Liberty that uh, this uh, Mr. Hiddle's case is would it be uh, kind of like in unison, would everyone that's in that fire department or in that government branch, would this be like an across the board against him, or is it a few major players? Well, it's it's a few major players, because he did have support within the fire department, but it's just some of the city managers that did not like this um, religious affiliation. They did not like that he was open about his Christian faith. They didn't like that he chose to attend the Christian leadership training. Um, and so because of that, they fired him. There's this outrageous statement in the record where it they said, oh, you, you're probably going to win a long and drawn out court battle, but we're going <laughs> to fire you anyway. And we're going to so make it happen is, anyway. Right. It is really too bad. And and hearing this, it's so disheartening for, I believe, anyone that would be in ministry in California. And there are pastors who've been arrested out there. There are, are pastors who have endured threats and lawsuits and heavy, heavy fines. But it, it's just so crazy that this man is given the role to find a leadership training program. Uh, Stephanie, one question comes to mind about that. Was there a preclusion given to the uh, Mr. Hiddle uh, about att- not attending a church program? Did he do that against like some directive or was this all after the fact? 
It was all after the fact. The city hasn't pointed to any sort of policy, and he wouldn't have attended anything if he if he thought there was anything wrong with it. Um, so the just the fact that the city, after the fact, thinks that there's something wrong and then doesn't go, they have just, you know, had a conversation. But instead, it had such an extreme reaction to investigate him and fire him. It's just absolutely outrageous. It certainly is. And it's almost like, here, we want you to get leadership training. Go out and get it. Oh, you chose the wrong kind. You chose the wrong place. And oh, my goodness, you chose a church. We can't have that. That seems to be the prevailing message that's being sent now to not only Mr. Hiddle, but but to all the other residents in the entire area, in the entire state, right? Uh, absolutely. There's a case to be made for that. And so we are fighting. We're at the Ninth Circuit now. We just filed our appellate brief. We are fighting for the court to, to really give him his day in court, to allow him to go back, present his case to a jury, to show that this was religious discrimination, that he was wrongfully fired because the city was intolerant of his religious beliefs. Do you think, Stephanie, from your standpoint, you know, they've made this outrageous statement, oh, you're probably going to win in a long, drawn-out, and very expensive lawsuit. Um, they're ready to spend the state money. Uh, I'm grateful that people like First Liberty, as I understand it, you do all of this basically on based on donations, and your uh, your clients aren't the ones that are having to pay for all of these fees, although I'm sure it costs them in many other ways. But uh, it's almost like they don't care about the trouble, about the loss, about the prestige uh, of, a, of a guy being busted, nor do they seemingly care about the fact that their own department is going to be hurting and, and in the sense that this guy was being prepared to be a captain, right? Yeah, so so you're right. First Liberty, we uh, operate completely pro bono. We never charge our clients. Uh, and so cities sometimes, maybe because it is the government that foots the bill, they they sometimes don't, um, you know, settle these cases or do the right thing when they should. And in taking these cases to court, because there is no reason why this case should have should have lasted this long. It shouldn't have. And, you know, I'm thinking about that uh, coach that was out in Washington State, I believe it was. And he was uh, Coach Kennedy was his name. And he was fired because of uh, praying at the 50 yard line at the end of football games. And I know that that court case ultimately was won in his favor. And I, I'm not sure, I haven't heard yet whether he's going to be reinstated and go back to his former position uh, with Mr. Hiddle. If if he wins this case, whether it be at the ninth or maybe you're anticipating it going all the way to the Supreme Court, I'm not sure. But if he wins this case, will he w- be going back? It's very possible. So we will see what um, we will see what happens at the at the end of this at the end of this long road. Uh, Stephanie, what can you say uh, about this case or maybe any like it that um, what what is going to be necessary from your standpoint to keep frivolous suits, frivolous firings like this? What needs to change? Is it just a people thing? Is it is it something that voters can do from your standpoint? Uh, What kind of battle do you guys feel you're gauging? Well, I think I think. We are fighting on a variety of fronts, and I think that if everyone were to know their rights, stand up for their rights, then we'd be an entirely different America. If if everyone refused, there are so many people. Um, I'm getting inquiries almost every day from people that are facing being fired because of their faith, because they are being called to affirm something they can't affirm or or being forced to work on their Sabbath, for instance. I mean, so if if people are, um, if people will educate themselves, if they will stand up, then we really could see, we could see a change. Um, And so I'd really encourage everyone, you can go to firstlibby.org. We have protection kits that, that teach people about their rights in the various sectors, such as in the workplace. And so we're, uh, we're here. Um, You can, Send a request for help. Um, we're here. We're willing and ready to help. Walk us through now the final steps as you're preparing to take this to the ninth. 
What kind of a scenario do you expect? And if it goes, um, if you have to appeal higher, what is the timetable for all that? Yeah, so federal court is generally a, a long process. And so we just filed our opening brief um, a few weeks ago. And we are, um, so we're expecting the briefing to be concluded in um, a couple of months. And then they will set oral argument. So we might have an opinion um, a year from now, but it's possible it could be longer than that. Wow. These things take some time. And so uh, in the meantime, Mr. Hiddle is without a job, right? No, that's actually not true. Um, so he is the principal of a Christian school now. So he is um, fortunately been able to um, been able to serve God in a different way. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I was just meaning he's without his other other career. That's not a that's not an option for him anywhere else. Obviously, so he's taken a different branch and he's made the best out of a bad situation. Absolutely. Well, he's a man of character without a doubt, and it is really sad to see that our country has come down to these kinds of things. And uh, you, would you expect this, Stephanie, from, um, let's say, other states that might not be quite as liberal as California? Are, are, are you seeing a trend in the United States government in other areas apart from the West? Well, a lot of these, um, a lot of the problems come from some interpretations of federal employment discrimination law, which is applicable not just um, in the liberal states but across the country. So, unfortunately, we are seeing threats to religious employees um, in virtually all states um, across the country. Um, it just depends on. Um, it depends a lot on, on employers. We're seeing employers wanting to. Um, policies on their uh, on their employees on their workforce without considering whether that's actually going to invade the religious liberty rights of their employees. Mm. Well, I'm praying that this trend will leave and that uh, there can be some sanity restored to federal laws like uh, what is you're describing right there. Thank you so much. Give us the website as to how people can learn more, maybe follow this case, or just read up on First Liberty. So we are First Liberty Institute, and we are at firstliberty.org. Firstliberty.org. Stephanie Taub, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com Back again for segment two, and with me, a return guest from uh, a couple of weeks back, several weeks back, actually. Dr. Richard Urso is an ophthalmologist. He is the co-founder of the International Alliance of Physicians and Medical Scientists. As I recall, you're coming to us from the Houston area, right, doctor? That's correct. I sure am, and uh, thank you so much for having me again. Well, it is our joy to get to talk with you. Uh, when we last chatted, you had strong feelings. You're an ophthalmologist, obviously a scientist, and um, we hear a lot about, uh, or at least we used to hear a lot about following the science. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore with a lot of things, including the covid uh, a discovery and um, uh, ongoing debate about not only the disease itself and it's, um, let's say, our treatment of that with this thing called the vaccine, which is, interestingly enough, not really a vaccine. And then we have the whole response to it in schools with masks 
Uh, you've got strong opinions on this whole COVID thing, right? Uh, well, no, I, I would I wouldn't call them opinions. I have the facts in my favor. Ah, um, I like that better. Let's science, go with that. <laughs> the science to me is what something I, I, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but it's more social conditioning. So they've decided what we want us to believe, and that's basically that something is safe and effective that is it, that it stops infection, stops transmission when it doesn't. And the data is, is very clear that that actually is not true. And actually even Fauci and some of the others have now admitted all that. Um, the the people are of the impression of is it that, yes, it did stop, uh, it did stop death and hospitalization. That's actually not true. Um, so they basically corrupted the data for people who don't know. Um, Peter Doshi from the British Medical Journal went back through all the early data from Pfizer and Moderna and found that there were 187% more hospitalizations. In the early studies, there were like 30,000 patients. There was 22 deaths in the, um, in the vaccinated group, 13 in the unvaccinated group. So no has more deaths than hospitalizations. And their definitions of this, are part of the reason why, you know, basically not giving true perspective data from the CDC, they test, they stopped giving data. Uh, I think they knew this all along, and I think that's why they they use the song and dance and social conditioning. And you heard statements from Melinda saying, "Well, you know, I remember when I heard on um, CNN that it was 95% effective." For a director of the CDC to even watch TV is absurd to me to talk about scientific um, endeavors and having re referenced CNN. This is um, laughable. That information from CNN should have been coming directly from her office or some of her affiliates. Mm -hmm. So, no, we've had, a, we've, had a, we've had social conditioning. Facts are the, the, vex, the quote unquote vaccine distributes everywhere. So, anybody who wants to know where it goes, goes to the phone marrow, brain, ovaries, adrenal, testes. It's going in organs that they never go. It's producing spike protein, as I said last time, for massive amount of time. The pseudouridine, which is a breakthrough way to get the messenger RNA into the body and not destroyed, um, unfortunately made it so good at, detect, at not being detected by the immune system that Stanford found two months later, they were still making spike protein. What this means is that instead of giving a very definite dose, you are getting a very un, uh, un, no one knows what dose you're getting versus me. And you are getting, in some cases, two months or more of production of spike protein. That's why we're seeing all the problems we're seeing. That's why we're seeing all the strokes and heart attacks. That's why we're seeing the uptick in cancers, because this product, this spike protein itself, has a lot of side effects. Wow. You know, it's so hard for me to get my brain around the, I guess, the whole premise that Americans are being given this by the government, being told to do this, being encouraged to do it by the medical community. It seems like everywhere you look, from, a, from one institution to the next, schools, hospitals, uh, the government again, uh, all of this coming through, it, it sounds... You say social conditioning. It sounds like a diabolical scheme to to really damage, if not kill, off people. Is that too strong? Um, so, so uh, in some ways, I think. Yeah, I think. Okay. So I spent time in Washington, twenty twenty, quite a bit. Um, and what I remember telling them was like the scientists kind of know what's going on. Many of them have left the CDC and the NIH because of not listening to the committee saying, hey, these are not ready for prime time. Um, this recently, they overruled the commissioners, overruled, didn't even testing. The last one they did test on eight mice. And um, they found on eight mice that the new bivalent vaccine, which I think will be available very soon, the fifth of, of these vaccines, um, is, is, is not actually stopping transmission in mice. It was not tested on humans or other animals. And it's a bit so now the problem is people at school boards don't know all what I just said. People in the governor's office don't know all that. Mayor DC, she doesn't know all that. I mean, they're just having people go in and saying, Hey, here's here's the truth. Take it from us. 
And so it's a very centralized messaging. We've never had that foreign mes- medicine where you had centralized me- messaging come into Washington. Doctors have never called CDC or the NIH or the FDA for anything. I mean zero. You called your mentors uh, that taught you. You called some of your peers and colleagues um, to discuss cases. We've never, when I say never, not just me, uh, you know, for people who don't know, I was uh, chief at the top uh, cancer hospitals in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I've invented an FDA-approved drug, so if people want to know what I've done. I, I did an inspiring inflammation. Um, I have, um, I have a, a, a tremendous background um, in science, and, and so all I'm saying is I don't look forward to saying these things, but most people don't. That's why I decided to kind of step out and try to educate people because the central system has created this social conditioning of everybody along the way. So it, the, the, I don't know where I don't know where it goes up, how far up the chain it goes, but this is definitely coming from a, a centralized system, and everybody has to fall on the line. There's a massive amount of money being made through the system. Uh, patients in Texas, for instance, average 180 thousand dollars per admission for the hospital. The hospitals, in a sense, knew they better stay in line if they wanted to stay in business. If you don't do the COVID business the exact way they say, then you're not going to be in business. Better use remdesivir. Uh, you better get out the shots. Better do a lot of PCR tests. Um, patients even got extra. I mean, hospitals got extra for patients dying because of handling. So you got more. You were paid more for a patient dying than if a patient left the hospital. I mean. This incentive is, and I don't mean people working from people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the incentives, the checks and balances aren't there. It's all centralized through a process in Washington, D.C., and where, where that goes, how far up that goes, as everybody knows, it is. this was an engineered virus. Um, that's, a, that's a fact. Um, the virus itself is of, an engineered virus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's 72 patents on this, Moderna. All these people have been working on this for a long time. Um, now, I'm not saying it's all diabolical. I, what I say is, if I said to you, hey, people were working on nuclear energy, you'd say, okay, that's not diabolical. But if I said they're working on nuclear bombs, that's diabolical. What I'm saying is, I don't know what they were doing exactly, but what I have trouble with is they were doing called gain of function. So gain of function means they were making virus stronger and more powerful. That, to me, is akin to basically working on a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is, it, at that point, I don't care if you released it on purpose or if it accidentally blew up. You shouldn't have been working on nuclear bombs. You should have been working on electricity. So these companies were working on up-gain, greater uh, gain-of-function uh, uh, viruses that were more powerful than the weak viruses they used to be. And it was like they were doing testing on um, Proving the the power of these viruses, and it might have been released accidentally. But do I really care? I mean, you should have been working on nuclear energy. You should have been working on betterment of mankind, the betterment of our society, not on ways to destroy things more easily with more mm-hmm. powerful biological weapons. I couldn't agree more. It's insane to me to see what's going on. And I wonder, you you said earlier that uh, this has never been done before, a centralized kind of messaging about uh, uh, something like this vaccine. If you think back, and I think a lot of our listeners would think back to the Salk vaccine, the um, polio vaccines, the mumps and rubella, and all the different types of of, uh, vaccines that we've had for many, many years, break down what's different now over what happened back then in that kind of a traditional vaccine? That's a great one. So normally a traditional vaccine, like a flu vaccine, it's a large protein, goes in your arm, maybe migrates an inch, uh, 99% of it, 99.9% of it stays in the arm. Um, that's what it does. I tell people a normal vaccine in the arm. A normal virus doesn't travel very easily. It needs an open door to get anywhere. The problem with a lipid nanoparticle if it's through door cracks, it slides through. Only about 20 to 25 percent of the vaccine stays in the arm where you shoot it. Most of it leaves, goes to the lymph nodes, goes to the bone marrow, the, the brain, the ovaries, the adrenals, and other organs that accumulate fat. Um, and this is very different. We never have a vaccine end up, or any vaccine, 
for instance, type of respiratory virus type thing, end up with portions of the particles being produced in the brain, like this one, in the ovaries. That doesn't happen with any of the respiratory virus vaccines. Many of the other vaccines are sort of attenuated. And, and, and what, what I mean is um, most vaccines are not going to basically make more copies of itself. Now, that's not all. Like sometimes, for people who don't know, a very small percentage of, of live attenuated polio virus vaccines um, actually end up kind of causing polio. So last year, about 70 people around the world got polio from the polio vaccine. So what I'm, what I'm saying is it's possible, it happens, unusual, but we're talking, you know, tens and, and tens of thousands uh, in Europe, tens of thousands in the United States and other places have died from this current vaccine because of the distribution and production issues. And so what I'm saying is all vaccines are... You dose, it stays the dose. If I give you 1,000 milligrams of Tylenol, it's 1,000 milligrams of Tylenol. You might absorb 90%. I might absorb 88%. You know, it's, but you know it, you know you're not getting 10 times of what I got, what I, what I received. Mm-hmm. This vaccine produces multiple copies of itself, sometimes for two months or more. It's still producing copies of itself over and over, challenging your immune system that entire time. This foreign protein. No other vaccine in history has ever done that. Wow. Produces itself. It's like it's cloning itself inside our bodies, is what you're saying. Yeah, oh absolutely. That's that's the whole that's the whole thing behind the messenger RNA is to make copies. So typically our messenger RNA on our body is making proteins for us all the time. This unique structure of this one, I tell people it's, instead of being butter, it's more like margarine. And the body's never seen this fake messenger RNA. So it, it starts a hard time degrading it. And so it just can't detect it and degrade it in the normal fashion. The CDC took it to their website finally because we've been pounding them about it. Stop saying it lasts a day or an hour or two. It doesn't. You know it doesn't. All the studies are showing it. So they quietly took it off. And no, this is coming from, you know, I don't mind saying it. I, it's true. This is this coming. The messages are coming from a centralized source. These governors, these they don't know. They're not scientists. They can't know. They just hand them a script and say it's safe and effective. Here's what you need to tell everybody. They don't know. They they trust like most people trust. Our agencies are actually working for us. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the agencies are being paid primarily by the pharma companies. Now, when that was done, originally, that wasn't done with ill intent. It was done because we're like, hey, these people are coming up with some patents. Why don't we let them get some of the some of the gains? So let them have one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year if they make a discovery. Um, then, before you knew it, it was not one person writing the patents; twenty people writing the patents, and so everybody gets one hundred fifty. And then they call and say, hey, um, doctor, um, let's say let's use Fauci's name. Hey, doctor Fauci, I have this idea. They run the patent by him. And I'm thinking about whether or not this technology um, with the pseudouridine will actually be successful. And this is not true. This did not happen. I'm making this up. But let's say the pseudouridine won't be detected, and that'll allow it to be get into the cell and actually produce the foreign protein. Uh, and we think this can be a major discovery. And he says, yes, I think the pseudouridine is better than a, than a pseudocytidine. And so, in a sense, he makes a little, um, you know, they have a nice conversation, but everybody knows what's going on. They say, oh, thank you, Dr. Fauci, for that important contribution. Um, would you mind if I put you down as one of the patent authors? Now he's down as a patent author. They have a documented, um, you know, tra- trail where he influenced the writing of that. And so now he can claim himself as an author. And, and in bottom line, that um, this this was, this is like a check and balance that, you would almost expect to happen if really no one's watching the foxes watching the hen house. That's one thing. The other thing is they didn't have the ability to have enough numbers to crunch all the data. So the, the pharmaceutical company said, hey, look, here's a million dollars. Go hire some people and crunch the data. This is back in the 80s. When I was in the 80s, my, a lot of my stuff that I did was back in the 80s and then and the 90s up until the early 2000s. And so, um, you know, it didn't seem like a good idea. Like, Hey, it's help us. Like we're going to crunch more numbers. 
now it's, it's a necessary thing to receive, you know, up to 70% from the agencies of their money from the pharmaceutical companies. So they massively influence who is who is actually hired. And anybody who worked there knows, hey, if you're the head of the FDA, you'll likely get a super job when you leave after a year or two uh, or three. And sure enough, 10 of the last seven FDA commissioners have been hired on and board directors at major companies for millions of dollars a year in revenue. So it's not that they are evil people. They're good people. Steve Hahn's a good man. At the end of the day, nobody's watching what's going on, and this is how the creep arrived. And everybody, um, before you know it, has fallen into line. And here we have a million people who died instead of maybe 100,000 because the policies they were coming out with are the reasons why people died. We had treatment for inflammation. We had treatment for blood clotting. We had treatment for respiratory compromise. And we had ideas of what might work against the virus itself. People were dying primarily of the blood clots and the inflammation. We had lots of treatment from March 2020. They held it back on us. A million people died because the policy allowed people to go without treatment. That's why they died. My guest is Dr. Richard Urso from Houston. We'll be back with him in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. It's uh, stuff we need to hear, friends. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407 407- 965-4166 now or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. On the line with me is an ophthalmologist from Houston, Dr. Richard Urso. He has studied and continues to be, uh, a, a, I would say, a critic of this whole process of the coronavirus a vaccine that is out there. The last time we talked to him a couple of months back, he actually, and I'm sure you're saying the same thing, you're saying that if you have had the shot, don't get the booster. Is that right? So um, there are several reasons why I'm saying that, okay? Number one, it has not been, there's several important reasons. I kind of, I hit them, I hit on them a little bit earlier, but let me run them down. I think it's good to hear it again. The biodistribution is all over the body and brain, bone, marrow, adrenals, ovaries. That's not good. We don't need these products there. The second thing is producing this protein for an unknown period of time, at least two months or more in most patients, right? Why do I say you don't get it? Because it's quote unquote safe and effective. It's not, okay? It's, it's not it's safe not or effective, right? Correct. Not my opinion. They're not giving us data here. They can talk the data. Unfortunately, we have zero data, really true data here in the United States. And they're going to use data that's basically from selected areas where, um, in a sense, you can't trust the data. But where are we getting real data? We got lots of real data from England. There we are now seeing 94% of the deaths are in the triple vaccinated, period. That's not it. It's not a, it's not a, it is what it is. I don't like saying it. what it means is that people who are vaccinated have an acquired immunodeficiency. What am I saying? What I'm saying, the more you get jabbed, the weaker your immune system gets. And here's why. Wow. The immune system sees the Wuhan 2020 
um, when you get the jab. And they're going to do another vaccine where it's going to be one twenty twenty and the Omicron variants. Those are non-existent anymore. They're both extinct. So your body trains on something that is no longer there. What this means is you get tunnel vision. And we think of our immune system as being this infinite amount of fighters. It's not true. So if you put your put put blinders on and look straight ahead, and all you see is this wrong, extinct virus, what that means is you're going to make antibodies to the wrong thing. You're going to make natural killer cells fight the wrong thing. You're going to make um, common cascades fight the wrong thing. Dendritiform cells present the wrong thing. You're going to make the um, cytotoxic T cells kill the wrong thing. Everything in your body is doing that. And so you can't look to the right or left and fight the new variant on the right or the, another variant on the left or one behind us because everything is focused on the wrong thing. We call it immune imprinting. Mm-hmm. You're so imprinted with the wrong thing. Normally on a flu vaccine, it wouldn't happen because you don't make this massive amount of the of flu virus that may be wrong. Sometimes the flu, of course, you know, for a lot of times, we miss. We miss the boat sometimes on some of these flus. But we don't get this massive immune printing like we're getting with this because we're not making this massive amount of proteins with the flu. You get a you get a certain amount. So I hope that makes sense to one. The reason you don't want to get it is you're training your, your body to fight the wrong thing. And your body then doesn't have the bandwidth to fight the correct virus that it happens to see in the next time, which may be for, you know, an influenza virus or another variant of coronavirus. So you're, you're creating an acquired immunodeficiency in, in, in a small way, like AIDS type thing. Because with AIDS, you know, it's a destructive thing. In this case, you train the immune system to fight the wrong thing, which means they can't fight what they're supposed to fight. In AIDS, it destroys the immune cells. But it's not doing that, but it's, um, it's doing what we call immune imprinting. It's telling you to spend all your time to fight something that doesn't exist. My goodness. You know, now recently we heard reports coming from an unusual or maybe not expected source, and it was from morticians, people in funeral homes who are uh, doing uh, the mortician work on on a body that has deceased, and they're finding all sorts of very strange clotting going on. What what do you think about that? Well, we know that clotting is a major cause of illness. Um, it, it, this virus um, has a way to bind up something called CD147 on red blood cells and platelets. This is, this is located in the protein. So if you're going to design a, 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 a vaccine, wouldn't it be nice to, to – there's 29 proteins in, in, the, in the coronavirus. Why would you pick the design to focus on the one protein that's – to ACE2, that sticks to TMPRSS2, that sticks to CD147, which is plated in, in red blood cells, that binds up tolerector 7 and 8, that, that blocks NRP1 to help it get into the brain, that actually um, um, it, uh, affects DNA damage repair via um, P53 and, and breast cancer gene. Why, and, and why, would you, why would you use that portion the only portion that causes 95% of the disease, 5% of the disease is the other 28 proteins. So this is, this is absurdly um, a bad design from the beginning. So I think I, I kind of want to call them out on a lot of levels. This is not a smart design. And these clots are to be expected because the spike itself actually creates binding of red blood cells and platelets by CD147. And what is 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 creating these proteins that are very rubber, um, or basically have kind of a what we call like an amyloid-like uh, appearance, which is basically stringy long proteins that actually can be stripped almost like you're stripping out a um, a shoelace from somebody's blood. Normally, blood clots don't do that, but this is binding pattern that we're seeing with these, um, and of course, it's causing lots of strokes, heart attacks, pulmonary embolus, et cetera, in young people. And how do we know that? Um, that we're seeing some evidence. Several reasons. One, uh, there was this, uh, a 40% increase in death from 18 to 64, and there was a 82% increase in death from 25 to 44 um, in the last quarter. Um, and so we're seeing these massive numbers. That's from Lincoln Financial. 
and uh, some of these other uh, uh, leaders in, in the insurance industry. We also know that we're seeing a decrease in fertility because I said it's going to the ovaries and testes. We are now seeing a decrease in fertility came out of Stanford, I mean, out of Israel, um, 35% decrease in sperm counts, which they say recovers. But after five shots, who knows, right? They didn't test that. Um, they also saw that as you release the data this year, um, the Netherlands, Germany, et cetera, anywhere from a 20 to 25% reduction in birth rates in countries in Europe that have reported so far in the last, in the last quarter. So we are seeing issues. We're also seeing the data from uh, about virus, uh, herpes zoster, Epstein-Barr, which causes shingles and Bell's palsy. Seeing almost a doubling of these in this last year. So, and the vaccinated. So we're seeing a lot of reasons why you should avoid it. It's not safe and effective. It's definitely not for your children. It's going to go into their ovaries. It's going to cause inflammation. And now we know it's actually decrease in fertility. So zero cents. The infection fatality rate from the under 11 to 0 0.1 per 100,000. The infection fatality rate from the 12 to 17 to 0 0.2 per 100,000. So it's one in a million or one in 500,000. It makes, they did not show any benefit in infection, death, hospitalization. They actually showed increased rates in the vaccinated. What they did show in the vaccinated in the children, no changes, like I said, none, except for they showed that children actually made antibodies. That's what they showed. Nothing to do with their infections, nothing to do with their hospitalizations. In fact, they did worse. So that's what they did. That's what they did for your children. They found out they made antibodies. Your immune system does more than that. You're going to get blood clots potentially from the spike protein and other issues. And the kids who are getting this are suffering from this. And we need to stop doing it in your children. If you want to take it yourself, don't give it to your children. There's many reasons why. I just mentioned many. Many reasons why. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the fact that government officials don't know what you know, and that's understandable. I, I guess the big question that so many of us have, why aren't, why aren't doctors who do know and see what you see, why isn't there an all-out call to stop all of this stuff if it's not so effective? That's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, doctors are not scientists, all right? I mean, they're great. They're smart. We know that. Um, you know, I graduated at the top of my class, right? So, uh, you know, there's a lot of great smart doctors, all right? So, but being a scientist is different. So they're not typically looking at the actual science. They're not reading the papers that all the things that I just told you. So in a sense, they're busy they're seeing patients. They're not looking at the science, all right? And the people who are actually are speaking out or actually telling their patients now not to get this vaccine. Many of the doctors here in Texas, at least at least two-thirds, have now are telling their patients, hey, hold off on this thing. It's not safe and effective. We actually think it's harming people. Wow. We're seeing a big turnaround here, I know, in Texas. We're not a lockdown in a way in Texas like a lot of other states are. We have a great um, Senate that helps us. Um, we uh, Our board has not uh, has actually attacked us, but they backed off tremendously. Um, our governor's office helped us out. Uh, we have a lot of help here in Texas with just speaking freely. No one's trying to, we are very careful to only speak the data. When people do it. I say, don't give opinions. I, I, if I do say it, say, look, I don't, I don't like it because of these reasons, these data, but and I, and because of that data, I don't recommend it. But let people know this is the data. And then you say, now my opinion is I don't recommend it. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to do that as I go through this with you. Because I want to be basically data-driven only. That's what people want. They want the information. They don't want to be told what to do. Americans don't want to be beat over the head and told what to do. They want to have the information to make a clear um, – they want their medical freedom. They want to be able to make a clear, smart decision. You know, you want to say, hey, do you need a heart you don't want somebody to come and say, do you need heart surgery because I said so? Okay, it's ineffective. Well, well, give me some numbers. And so, and this is no different. Whenever I tell patients they have cancer, I do oncology, I don't come in and boldly say it. And I don't come in and say, hey, you have to. No, I, I say it with kindness. I say it with compassion. 
and and I'm, I'm maybe not doing that here. I apologize for that, but I, I should speak kindly and compassionately and saying, look, this is not safe, effective. I wish it were. Never yeah. spoken against the vaccine, or I've never been out talking about anything. I come right through the middle of the system. I'm not an outsider. I'm an insider, and I, I'm sorry to tell everybody that our system has failed us at the highest level, and everyone is afraid to speak out because they don't want to get to lose their job, they don't want to be canceled, and many of them aren't even going to look because it's just now it's too frightening to think. Gosh, I sent all those people to get that shot. I'm not even going to look at it. I don't want to know. It's, it's a weird thing, but like, you know, it's almost like once you're in, you don't want to even hear about the fact that you might have done the wrong thing. But a lot of the doctors are now coming around looking at it and looking at the data, and, and they're, they're very upset that they've been fooled. Mm-hmm. Well, for the patients that did get the first jab, again, the encouragement is don't do it again. Don't get the next, because every time you do, your immune system is just going down a little farther down the line. It's not as effective, and it's not going to be serving you the way that uh, we have, would think it is. And it's not a help. It's not safe. It's not effective. So, Dr. Urso, thank you for coming by again and calling in and giving us this information. It is so important, and we pray that our, our listeners who hear this will uh, take to heart that uh, this advice and uh, you know, there's there's uh, a lot to pray about here, isn't there? There sure is. You know, um, you know, it's one of the things that I want to. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you so much. Because what we don't realize is, uh, I hate to say this, but you know, God is above all. Man didn't create anything, and, and God allows us to happen because of free will. And and uh, I'm going to say His mercy and grace is there. We're not forced or tricked into loving God, but to say. The devil does that, and I'm going to tell you right now that we were created to love, worship, and share his kingdom with him for eternity, not to be in this pit of hell with Satan. And if you really want to know what what you need to do is open your eyes. Don't give this to your children at the very least. Everything I've said here is data-driven. God's with us, and at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the truth will come out. Thank you. Dr. Richard Urso from Houston. And friends, that's all of our time for today. Thank you for joining us here. We'll catch you next time on Afternoons with Mike.